Good evening, Element City Church. I am so glad you are here tonight. I um, have a question for you. How many of you guys have ever been stuck? Stuck. Yeah. Maybe stuck in a line at Disneyland. Don't raise your hand because I've been trying to get there for three years, so if you went, I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But those lines can pretty, be pretty atrocious. How about stuck in an elevator? No. Yep. How about stuck in traffic? Yep. San Diego traffic, LA traffic. Mm-mm. Um, how about stuck in a family or work event that was boring? Again, if your family's sitting next to you, don't raise your hand. They might get offended. How about, have you ever had gum stuck in your hair or on your shoe? Yeah, so stuck. You got that whole thing is stuck. Um, I want to show you some pictures of some things that are stuck, and I can't actually see the TV, so I kind of found, <laughs> that's not good. That's stuck. Oh, that's not good either. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had a bad day. He's not going to do that by himself. How do turtles unstick? Oh, hope that's not your house. Yeah. <laughs> I love this one. This guy's having a bad day. He's stuck. He's stuck. What do feelings come with being stuck? Well, how do you think that guy felt? Maybe frustrated, angry, disappointed. How about exhaustion or fear? How about bitterness towards others, the dummy who threw the gum on the ground? Or the little boy who put the gum in my hair? Just so you know, all those things in the beginning that was stuck, I've been through all of them. How about loss of hope or wanting just to quit? I'm gonna tell you a story of when I was eight years old, my parents took me to a carnival and there was a new ride out called the Bullet. I think that was the name of it. And it was this big, long metal pole and at each end of the poles there was these cages that turned and so the bullet turned and this turned and it was a whole bunch of turning um, and I was a daredevil at eight and my parents said you want to go and I said sure so we get in and it's only for two people but I was eight so they squeezed me in the middle so I'm completely squashed I get in between my parents so I semi like still at this time and we're inside this cage and this ride starts going and it was intense remember this was back in the 80s. Um, and it, th this ride was super intense and it's going and it's going and it's going and all of a sudden there's this huge jerk and we're at our, our bucket, our cage is up top and it stops. The ride completely stops and we're hanging upside down. So I need you to get that picture. I'm hanging upside down, squished between my two parents and we hear a whole bunch of screaming but it's so far down there. We have no idea. It's like little ants. And I was just like, oh, I wonder what they're saying. But we can't hear. So, of course, as any eight-year-old, I started asking my dad, like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. You know how your parents kind of lie to you when they really don't know what's going to happen. So I'm thinking, you know, is all the blood going to rush in my head? Is it going to explode? Am I going to die here? This is not a very good way to die. And, I, you know, and then we hear this clanging, bang, bang, bang. And I, in my head, I'm thinking, are they fixing it or are they chopping it down? Um, so I was scared. I was terrified because we were stuck in a cage upside down and there was nothing we could do. You know, in the movies, you might want to try to climb out and climb down and over, you know, if you were any of those MacGyver type people. But that's not what happened to us. So it felt like hours. Remember, I was eight. But I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes later, they finally got it working and we came down. And I just have to tell you guys, 
I have not been on a ride like that since. Daredevil Kimberly, out the door. I was stuck and I was trapped. And ever since then, I'm not big on closed spaces at all. The definition of stuck is unable to move forward, trapped, unable to set oneself free. Just like that carnival ride, there was nothing that my, my parents or I could do. We were stuck. Just like getting stuck in that ride and stuck in other areas like traffic or anything else, we get stuck in our spiritual walk too, don't we? It doesn't matter whether you're a new Christian, whether you're not Christian at all, whether you've walked with Jesus for years, at some point in your walk, you're gonna get stuck. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and let's see what God has to say about, say about this. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible or you have your little U version not YouTube, you version. So, Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'm gonna come back there, so just put a little note there. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I believe what these verses are saying is that God does not want us to stay spiritual babies or infants. Babies, we were all one before, they're completely dependent on their parents. Now you're saying to yourself, it's good for us to be completely dependent on God, but that's where it stops. Because babies are, are selfish. I know at one point you were very selfish. Most of you are not now, right? But selfish, they, it's all about them. How much do they really contribute to the family? Do they do the dishes? Do they sweep? Are they wise? Are babies very wise? No, they eat, they poop, they sleep, they cry. They throw fits and tantrums when they don't get their way. They will do what their parents tell them, but they're easily led astray. Whoever offers them a bottle, milk, food, a toy. It's like my son Lawson. I know my son Lawson loves me, but I gotta be honest with you guys. He will sell me under the bridge for an iPad. He's easily led astray by the person with the best and newest electronics because he's eight years old. He, he, I know he loves me, but he's still a baby. So off he goes with whoever has electronics. So now you know how to get to Lawson. But in these verses, Jesus is saying, I want more for you guys. He does not want us to be swayed or easily deceived. He does not want us to remain spiritual babies forever. Jesus wants his people equipped. That's one of the things that said for works of service to build the body of Christ. 
So by knowing him more and having a strong faith, we will become mature followers. I know some of you, if you just got out of high school and you're thinking, oh, maturity, what's in it for us? Um, it's kind of hard, but it says in verse 13, I told you I'd go back to that, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So I looked it up. What does the fullness of Christ mean? It means being fully alive in Christ to become more Christ-like because that's our purpose. I mean, if you're wondering like, what am I here for? Your purpose is to become more and more like Christ. So basically, you guys, and this is, could be painful for some of us, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth. You got to know the truth and tell it in love like in Christ in everything, like Christ in everything. Let me say that again. Basically, God wants us to grow up, know the whole truth, and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. But if I were to ask many of you where you are right now in your walk with Jesus, I bet a lot of us, we might be stuck. You could be struggling. M many of you could be like, oh, I feel like I'm backsliding, or I'm frustrated because I'm doing the same things over and over and over again. Some of you might be near breaking point. Like, Kimberly, I'm just hanging on. I'm, I'm done. I don't see any progress. I don't see enough change. So, so why do we get stuck? Is it just because we're humans? Well, yeah, kind of. But I think there's four main reasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons why we get stuck. But tonight I'm going to talk about four, who I think are four reasons that we get stuck. And the first one is, and Brian kind of touched a, a lot of this last week in his sermon, is the number one reason we get stuck we don't trust God. We don't trust God. We don't believe he is who he says he is or that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. We don't believe in his promises. We don't believe he's going to show up. We don't believe he's listening. We don't believe he's paying attention. We don't believe that his word from front to back is the truth and the whole truth, nothing but the truth. We don't believe that we are created for a purpose that he has planned for our lives. We don't believe that he tries to protect us saying, you know, don't go there. This could turn out bad. We don't believe that how much he loves us. Sure, we see a cross, but do you know that cross, what the significance of it is? Do you know that's for me and you and all of us, that we are his precious children and that he will relentlessly pursue you no matter what you've done, no matter what. Some of you are sitting right here, nope, nope, not me. Yeah, you. He will pursue you. We don't believe God won't quit on us. We quit on God, right? But he'll quit on us. No, God won't quit on us. How can we mature in Christ if we don't trust God is who he says he is and we don't trust that he's gonna do what he promises? The more that you don't trust him or believe him, the more stuck you'll be. The more you don't trust him or believe in him, the more stuck you'll be. Because our whole point is to move towards him. How can you move towards somebody if you don't even know them? The second reason, and this is a doozy, they're all kind of that way. Another thing that gets us stuck is our past. Whew, this is a hard one for me. Our past, it's powerful. Our wounds, they're deep. They're, they've chained us. The hurt, the shame, the anger, the bitterness, they're deep. 
but I'm letting you know right now, if you don't deal with your past, you will never become unstuck. I know some of you are sitting here thinking, Kimberly, Kimberly, you just don't know what I've been through. You're right, I don't. I know some of you have been so abused, misused, violated. I know some of you have done that to others. And many of you have secrets that you think are so ugly that you are too far from God to ever really get unstuck. And I need you guys to listen closely. Your past does not define you. The cross does. Your past does not define you. The cross does. Your identity is not found in the past. Satan likes to keep you there, keep you chained up, keep you stuck in the mud, stuck in the, the garbage. Because if you stay there and you listen to all his lies, blah, 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 because he can get real loud sometimes, then you'll never be free. You just stay stuck. But I don't find anywhere in the Bible where that's where God wants us to be. Perry Noble puts it this way. If you don't let your past die, then your past will not let you live. If you don't let your past die, then your past will not let you live. The reason I'm repeating myself there is because some of you are sitting here and going, oh yeah, that sounds good, mm-hmm. Not for me, mm-hmm, it's for you. You will always remain trapped if you don't let go of your past. I tell people in my Bible study, you gotta deal with your past, your past is gonna deal with you. It'll keep you there. And this might sound harsh, but are you gonna live in self-pity the rest of your life or are you gonna live in triumph? Are you gonna give the people in your past the power to chain you to it? Are you gonna remain a victim or are you gonna claim victory? Because those are your choices. And I'm telling you right now that the cross, that's victory. Don't get stuck in your past so that you can't claim the future God has for you. Again, I know its past is powerful, but I know that our Jesus is more powerful. Number three, our feelings. They get us stuck sometimes. Anger, bitterness, selfishness, maybe we're a little disillusioned. We don't feel close to God. We don't feel like we want to go to church. We don't feel joyful. Somebody upset us at church, which happens all the time. I know it happens. I've been around churches long enough. So we don't feel like going. We don't feel like listening to them anymore. We don't feel called to volunteer. We don't feel like forgiving. Our feelings get in the way, get in the way of us moving forward. We focus so much on how we feel and our emotions. And let's just be honest here. I know this is going to bother some of you, but feelings and emotions can't all be trusted. Do you tell your teenagers, how many of you guys have teenagers? Did you tell your teenagers, trust your feelings and emotions because these are real. This is reality. No, teenagers, they've they got a frontal lobe development. They're a little stuck. So no, their emotions and their feelings, they're not reality. How about eight-year-old girls? 18, 28, 38, let's just say some girls. You know, one minute, sorry. They're, you know, one minute, you're just like, oh, this is my BFF. And the next like five minutes are like, I don't even know her, I don't like her, she is not my friend. So can you trust your feelings and your emotions all the time? Sometimes you might have to get past your feelings. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes you might just have to get past your feelings. I've got something to say, what if it's not about you? 
I know some of you, it's always been about you, but you gotta think about it. It might not be about you. You might have to look at the bigger picture. I have something to tell you. There's a bigger picture than what you see all the time. There's God's picture. There's God's viewpoint. And sometimes your feelings get all in the way of that. Perry Noble, just so you know, I'm a huge Perry Noble fan, so you're gonna hear him a lot throughout here. (laughs) Um, As we mature in following Christ, we begin to believe what God's word says over the way we feel. Meaning, this is to be trustworthy and true. All of this can be very confusing and clouded sometimes. This is the truth. This is where you go to trust. Our feelings and emotions sometimes get in the way. They keep us stuck. They, get, they do. The fourth, this gets really touchy. People don't like to talk about this part. But the fourth reason we get stuck is our sin. Sin is anything that breaks your relationship with God. It's impossible to experience spiritual maturity to not be the infant, the babes thrown around in the winds and going whoever tells the biggest lie or has the biggest iPad. It's impossible to experience spiritual maturity while hanging on an area of sin in our life. I know some of us are just like, well, if I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I do all these good Christian things, like I go to church, I read my Bible, I praise, you know, I set up chairs, I help in the cafe, I help with the homeless people. If you do a whole bunch of the good stuff, then maybe God will forget about Z down here. Because you're just not ready to give that up right now. And I'm letting you know, you're not fooling anyone. God knows Z's there. I heard a story in this book that talks about if you go to McDonald's and you buy a Big Mac, large fry, apple pie, and a Diet Coke. Like the Diet Coke does not cancel out all the other garbage, you guys. You're like, I got a Diet Coke. You might as well just get the full, full thing. Because, I mean, really, Big Mac, large fry, apple pie, Diet Coke? <laughs> no. And that's the same with sin in our life. You can't cancel, you can't do a whole bunch of good to cancel out that one thing that we're not willing to give up. It doesn't work that way. The consequence of sin is separation from God. Instead of moving forward, you're going to move farther and farther away from him. Often you're so, you start becoming so comfortable with this sin as your sidekick You start claiming it and it becomes you. And you just move farther and farther away from God. In fact, your life looks no different from the rest of the world. Because that sin will keep you stuck. It will stop you from moving forward. It will stop you from maturing in your spiritual walk. As a parent, I have one of my kids who struggles with lying. I won't tell you their name. But if he lies at four, it actually was kind of cute because he was a really good liar. At eight, it's not so cute. At 18, it's really not going to be cute. And do you think his wife is going to think lying's cute at 28? If we don't cut that sin out of his life, then what's going to happen? He's never going to mature. I mean, you've met 40-year-old liars. And they're not fun to hang out with. You're like, dude, you're 40 years old. Haven't you got past this already? So let's recap. 
if we're not trusting or believing who God is, our past, our feelings, and our sin, those all keep us stuck. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, you could choose nothing, which a lot of us do. Because the thoughts of dealing with some of these, overwhelming. Overwhelming, I get that. So how do we unstick? I think the first thing, you get to know God and you trust him more. And I don't say that cavalier. You get to know God and you trust him more. You have to know who he is. You know, when I counsel people about getting married, <laughs> the number one thing is, do you know them? Because I can't tell you how many times people, they'll be like, but I thought I knew him. I just love him. He was cute. But do you know him so that you don't wake up a year later and be like, what went on? I never, I didn't see this coming. Do you know God? Do you know his character? Because Satan, he likes to get up there and he's the master deceiver and he wants to confuse you and mock you and get it all jumbled up till you don't have a clue who God is. Remember, Brian talked last week about um, Satan trying to convince you that God's the ultimate killjoy. If you don't know the difference, you're going to remain stuck. You have to know God and his character. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the king of kings who created the heavens and the earth. He loved you so much, he put his son on that cross to die for you. Do you know that? And then if you know it, do you trust it? Do you trust him to show up? Do you trust in his promises? Do you trust in his strength that no matter what happens, he's going to get you through it? No matter how low you feel, he will get you through it. Do you trust in his grace and mercy? You guys, I'm standing up here because of his grace and mercy. Do you trust in that? Do you trust that you will have consequences if you don't follow his word? He gave this to us for a reason. And he wants you to read it and, and follow it. You have to trust him to become unstuck, to move closer to him. Anything else you put your trust in will disappoint you. Anything else you put your trust in will return void. You have to trust him and you have to know him. Here comes the really hard part, though. And there's only two things I'm talking about tonight. Trusting and knowing him, and number two, choose to take the net steps. Knowing God's word doesn't cause me to grow. But doing it does. All right, just in case you don't think I said this right, I'll read it again. Knowing God's word doesn't cause me to grow but doing it does. Go ahead and turn your Bibles or your phones, or it will be on the screen, to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I'm going to read that last part again real quick. Mm -hmm. Put it into practice 
and the God of peace will be with you. Do you really think he meant put it into practice? What do you think he means by put it into practice? I'm just gonna think about it, I'm just gonna pray about it, I'm just gonna think about it some more, and then I'm gonna take a class on it, and then I'm going to ask somebody else about it, which are all good things. But guess what? He said, put it into practice, which I believe means do it. Again, do it, apply it. In there he talked about Think of things that are pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy and true. I think what he was saying about there was get your mind out of the things in the world and, and all the garbage that fills our heads and let's think about the things that God wants us to think about. That's a hard one. You can know God's word inside and out. You can have graduated from seminary and have your doctrine in it. But if you don't apply anything, it says right here, what you hear, what you see, and what you learn from him, then you will remain stuck. I could get, and I need you guys to visualize this, I could get a master's degree in exercise and nutrition. Can't I? Oh yes. My, my, my bookshelves could be lined with hundreds of books on how to be healthy. What is that going to do for me? Because if I don't get in the gym, or I don't lift a weight, or I don't go on a walk, and I don't stop eating McDonald's chocolate chip cookies, all that degree and those books won't mean anything, will they? Nothing will change if I don't apply what I've learned. It's the same thing with God's Word. You can know it, you can talk about it, you can pray about it, you can have a class about it, you can talk to your friends about it. But if you don't apply any of it, if you don't do any of it, you will remain stuck. Here at Element City Church, we have a value. Progress is greater than perfection. We value that God does not want perfection. Here, here I am. I'm a hot mess, and I'm not afraid to admit it, and I'm okay with it. Because every time you see Jesus get angry in the Bible, who's he mad at? The Pharisees. He's turning over tables and kind of getting a little bit of that. The Pharisees, the, the religious perfectionists. Because the religious perfectionists, they've got their little check boxes. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, and ooh, I'm good. And they look at the rest of us and be like, oh, I am so glad I'm not like that person. They're a hot mess. You know, if they were more like me, they'd be doing better in life, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Jesus is pretty straight with these people. So if you're one of those, and don't be just looking at your neighbor, maybe it's you. He says, I'd rather you come to me a hot mess and rely on me than to be, think you're perfect and you got it all down and to not reflect me well or love others well. Jesus doesn't, doesn't want perfection. He wants progress. Guess what? We will never have it all together until we get to heaven. So those who think of you like right now you're at an A, A minus, and you're really going for that A plus, news is not going to get there until you get to heaven. So progress is greater than perfection. So if we're not going for perfection, what are we going for? Progress. Progress means movement towards something. You have to take the next step. It might be a baby step. It might be just a little shuffle. But you're going to have to take the next step. Why? 
Because that cross, it demands a response. Jesus demands a response, and it is not to stay the same. Maybe it's time to stop just showing up for church, checking the boxes, listening to the adorable pastor. I meant Brian. Um, and walk out of here no different. You can sit here and sing and listen and feel Jesus and the Holy Spirit come down and then walk out here and be like, huh, that was good. And your life is no different. Jesus wants more. He wants more for you. Maybe it's time to stop making excuses. Ooh, we're good at this one. God doesn't need our excuses. He needs our heart. God does not need our excuses. He needs our heart. Maybe it's time to just take your foot off the brakes. If you're a police officer, sorry, Robert. I meant, you know, not at a stop sign. And say, yes, I'm ready to move forward. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. But what's the next step? Okay, there's no cookie cutter answer. Your next step is gonna be different from her next step, which is gonna be different from his next step. Because God loves you individually. God knows all you got going on, whether it's your past, your feelings, your sin, you're not trusting. Maybe you got all four of that going on. He knows it. Last week, Brian talked about his favorite Bible verse, which is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I've been with Brian almost 20 years. That is his verse. He's claimed it. He's owned it. It has got us through some crazy times. The verse that I claimed when I first became a Christian was Ephesians 1, 7 through 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to his grace, which he lavished upon us. I had to deal with a past. I've shared that with you guys before. An ugly past. And when I first became a Christian, whew, to break that was hard. This verse, I made mine. And every time I heard the, the enemy mocking me and trying to, to, to get me stuck in my past, I'd claim this verse, I'd say it, I'd memorize it, I would sing it. Ooh, that was ugly. I'd do whatever I could to know, because you know what this verse means to me? God bought me. God bought me with his blood. He forgave me for my sins. If everybody in the church judged me, it didn't matter because my sins were forgiven by the guy who bought me. And not only did he bought me, he gave me grace and mercy, which he just didn't give me a little bit, like a little crumb. He poured it into my life. He lavished it upon me, and he said, you are mine. The reason I'm up here today is because I believe that. I believe that I'm his, and that my past does not define me. And that's the verse. So maybe it's, you've got to find a verse. If you need help, Let's talk to somebody. I know lots of people around here who've got verses. They're, they're full of them in here. There's tons of them. I think Brian said there's like 3,500 promises in here. You gotta find one that, that you can make yours. Maybe it's that your next step is having a tough conversation with someone that you've been putting off. I'm a chicken, actually, when it comes to tough conversations. I like to run the other way and let Brian deal with it. Um... Maybe it's you want, you're supposed to, your next step is to get the courage to share Jesus with somebody. That awkward, uncomfortable conversation that you know you're supposed to have. Because I love it when you guys come up to Brian or me and you're saying, I want to pray for my, my dad who needs Jesus. And I was like, oh, why don't you go talk to him about it? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Brian people, they need to do that because he's a pastor. Well, the news is that we're all called to go and make disciples of everybody. So maybe you don't wait for Brian or somebody else to do it. Maybe you do it. I mean, just a thought. That could be your next step. Maybe your next step is to stop isolating. I know we have some introverts in here. You can't do life alone. Jack says it's better to be the connected life than the surrounded life. I'm really hoping I got that right. It was. Um, join an e-group. Join a volunteer team. Go on a mission trip. There's nothing like getting to know people on a mission trip. You're probably saying, I don't really like people. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to move towards that because, I mean, God does tell us to try to like people or love people a little bit more. But you can't isolate. We were never meant to be in this little bubble. Did you see that turtle upside down? That, his life sucks. He's upside down. You cannot unstick yourself. Remember, I'm hanging up down in a cage. There's nothing I can do. You have to journey life with each other. You have to journey life with each other. So maybe your next step is to stop isolating. Maybe God wants you to confess a sin and stop it. Stop sleeping with a person you're not married to. Stop gossiping behind other people's backs. Stop bad-mouthing the church because you're unhappy with something. Stop bad-mouthing your boss because, to be honest, they stink. Control your temper. Control your thoughts. Maybe he wants you to get free from an addiction, pornography, alcohol, sin, shopping. Mm, that's a tough one. Sales. Sales, if anybody deals with sales. The little red sticker that says it's a sale. Brian says to me, Kimberly, if it's on sale but we don't have the money, it doesn't matter that it's on sale because we don't have the money. Sin will keep you stuck. Maybe it's time, you guys, sin's exhausting. Maybe it's time to have the courage to let it go. And you can't, again, I'm gonna go back to it, you can't do it by yourself. You can't sit there and just be like, I can do it if I try real hard. It doesn't work that way. Maybe he wants you to surrender your finances. I think Jack's talked about this. This is hard, especially for guys. You're made a little bit differently. Maybe you're supposed to look at how spending your time. If you were to put TV time, Facebook time, candy crush time, Emmy, um, and if you were to add up all your times and you go back to that verse where it says, think about the things that are admirable, lovely, pure, but everything that you put into your mind out the day are none of those things. Maybe he's saying you just Let's, let's just look at this a little bit. Maybe you want you to go to counseling. I love counseling. With the right person, you pay somebody just to listen to me talk. Like, that's golden. Don't be ashamed. Maybe you got to go counseling. Maybe he wants you to love somebody that's pretty hard to love. Because, again, let's be honest. You guys are messy. People are messy. They're not easy to love. I know that I'm a... High maintenance, family, don't say anything. 
I know I'm high maintenance. I know that Brian, God's given Brian extra superhuman powers to love me well. He didn't get him on his own. He didn't get him from eating Wheaties. He got it because he loves Jesus well. So he's able to love me well. Maybe that's your next step. Ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever is necessary to become, to become unstuck? Because if you're not, then don't be surprised when you remain here. I love when we just sit there and be like, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why I don't move forward. I don't know why. Because sometimes becoming unstuck is hard. It takes a little effort. I'm gonna tell you some people here at Element City Church that are choosing to take the next steps. I wanna share these stories. I'll try not to cry because these people, they're my heroes. They're choosing that no matter what, no matter how crappy their life was, no matter how life has been unfair to them, no matter how awful they have been, they're choosing to take the next steps towards Jesus. There's a guy here in our church who grew up on the streets of Philadelphia. He was born to teenage parents who were addicted and they never got over it and they never showed up to parent him. He talked about how wrestling was super huge in his life and he did it all through high school and a little bit of college and they never showed up to one, not one time. He came to our house one time and on the whiteboard there was a verse, a memory verse for our kids and you know what his, he asked a few questions. You know what his next steps were? He's 38, never went to church, never had any Bible foundation, nothing. His next step, he went to church that night, asked more questions, got baptized, started going to counseling to deal with his past. He shows up here every single Sunday night and he knows none of you. Those are drastic steps. There's a female in this church who sat across from the table at me at coffee and said, Kimberly, I am not a good person. I don't like who I am. My past is so awful. I am so ashamed. But I want to get well. She looked at me, she said, I want to get well. This girl is beautiful and she is smart and she is successful. She could have rode life just on that. But her next step was taking an honest look at herself and saying, I don't like who I am. Her next step was to talk to someone do you know how hard it is to sit across from a coffee table for me and say, I'm not a good person? That's how, that's how, that could be intimidating. I'm not a quiet person. She says, I got sin in my life and I want to deal with it. So she joined a Bible study. She started, we, I started mentoring her. She wants to deal with the sin in her life. She also, for right now, she decides she wants to stop drinking. Not because she thinks it's the horrible or the, or, the, or the worst thing ever, but because she looked back at her past life and every single bad decision she made was under the influence of alcohol. So she said, maybe I gotta stop this for a while. I said, maybe you do. She's taking drastic steps because she wants to get well. There's a single mom that goes to our church with five kids. She took some steps that meant my mom never would have had the courage to do it. To walk out of an unsafe situation, knowing she was gonna be alone, unmarried, and have to raise five kids under the age of 12 by herself. She didn't let fear stop her from taking the next steps. She knew her babies needed to be safe. 
Or how about the mom here who had a, te- had a baby as a teenager? She just got baptized. 15 years later, because she wanted to rededicate her life to Christ. She wants something different from her family. She wants something different for her daughter. She's not letting her past stop her from becoming part of leadership here, here at church. She knows she's been redeemed. And her next step was saying, yeah, I'll be a team leader because my past does not define me and I won't live there. She doesn't know that most people could be judging her for being in leadership because of all her past. Because we say, bring it on, come on. Jesus wants you to give him what you have. Or how about the female who decided that Facebook was causing her too much distraction? Every time she saw different posts, her feelings were all over the place. And when she added up how much time she was on there, it wasn't good. Some of you right now are saying, not the Facebook. I'm not telling you what you should do with your Facebook. I have my account and I love it. But for her, the next step was saying, delete. It's not worth it for right now. So she spends more time listening to podcasts and worship music than her Facebook. That was her next step. How about the young man who left a very strict religious home to find the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of shame and control? He stepped out of his family's house and he was filled with fear and anxiety. But he knew he had to move. He knew that something wasn't adding up. He found a church and a community that showed him that Jesus was full of love and compassion. His next step was an eight-year process. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, it wasn't easy. But he is moving towards Jesus. These people are my heroes. You guys are my heroes. What's so different about them? Are these people super people? No, they are ordinary people showing up, saying, I'm not staying here. I want to get well. I am not staying stuck here. Now, some of you, I can actually feel it, just so you know. You're sitting here saying, I can't do this. It is too hard. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too, too lazy, I'm too broken. You don't know what I've done, I'm scared, I'm too hurt, it's too much fear. It's, I mean, I get it. I get it. When you listen to these people, when I listen to your life, when you've seen my life, I get it. All those things are true. But then I say to you, Element City Church, the resurrected Son of God lives inside of us. The resurrected Son of God lives inside of us. The cross demands a response. Jesus said, come, follow me. Because guess what? Jesus was moving. He didn't say, you just sit there, sit tight, and I'll get back with you. He said, come and follow me. Jesus never meant for us to stay the same. Never. Ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever it's necessary to trust God more, to not be defeated by my past, to confess that sin, to not be controlled by my feelings? Am I willing to do whatever is necessary to become unstuck and move closer and closer to Jesus? Let's get unstuck. Let's do it together. Not to check off boxes. 
Those of you, you like your little boxes. Let's do this not to check off the boxes. Let's do this because we love our Savior. The cross demands a response. You can't stay the same and follow Jesus. He wants more for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you tonight, and as the band comes up and they sing this song, let the words move, resonate in this church. Let the Holy Spirit rain down and bring a movement at Element City Church that is unstoppable, not for our own gain, Lord, but for the glory of God. That your cross, your sacrifice demands that we move, that we say yes, that we don't remain stuck. Lord, right now I pray against anything that the people in this church are hearing that are not of you. Lord, that they will not listen to the lies. They will not remain trapped. That they will not make any more excuses. They will say, yes, I want to get well and I want more for my life. And may all the glory, may all the glory go to God. In your name we pray, amen.